survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I'm your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. This season, my partners and I will walk you through the eight tenets to drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change in organizations. We'll explore each of these tenets at a high level over eight weeks, then we'll take a deeper dive into each one to really understand why it's important and how to put some of these principles into practice. We'll share some of our own personal experiences from the hundreds of clients that we've helped along our journeys, and we'll invite other professionals to share their experiences and stories on what has worked, what hasn't worked, and what perspectives they can offer on the relevance of these tenants. In summary, our eight tenants are the case for change, knowing your audience, messaging matters, bracing for impact, charting the course, readiness metrics, making it stick, recognize, reward, and repeat. And today, we're going to focus on readiness metrics. This topic explores why establishing metrics are critical to see progress and when to identify problem areas. And this also allows you the opportunity to celebrate progress and the small wins that help make it stick along the way. I'm super excited today to have one of my great former colleagues, Jigger Shaw, with me. Jigger and I had the opportunity to work together when we were at North Highland as consultants. And I was always just really impressed by the way Jigger's brain worked. I hope that our listeners will enjoy (laughs) seeing some of how that brain works when we talk about analytics and the importance of the insights that you can derive from analytics, especially when you're talking about leading organizations through transformation. So Jigger, I'll, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself in a moment, but you have a really diverse and interesting background um, with a lot of experience in strategy and analytics and with expertise in being able to drive insights using tools like Tableau for data visualization. You have been um, someone that's worked as a product manager and a UX lead. You've spent a lot of time in the space of change management where I play around. And there's just so much more that I would love for our listeners to hear about you and your background and your um, interests as it relates to metrics and how companies can really benefit from understanding how to drive insights from those. So why don't you give a little background on yourself, please? Jen, thanks, first of all, uh, for having me. I've been working in the consulting industry for about 15 years now. It's funny, when I graduated from Rutgers, um, you know, I studied biomedical engineering. I had no idea what consulting was, but I knew I loved to solve problems and, you know, I had a knack for, for some interest in math. But yeah, that really just led me onto uh, multiple engagements across, you know, the TMT sector, uh, within healthcare and pharma and really just working with clients, you know, to help them with any kind of projects you can think of, you know, mostly from systems implement- implementation in the beginning, then getting on to more about digital marketing or uh, anything with marketing data and systems, and then eventually uh, sort of transitioning more towards strategy roles and also uh, dabbling with um, mergers and acquisitions. So I think overall, uh, I would say the career kind of took me along the way and just specializing in data and analytics uh, kind of also opened up more doors for me. And I never thought I would work in change management where I can actually use data analytics for driving change. So yeah, it's been a 
tremendous journey and I love to learn and I'm still learning right now. Thank you so much, Jigger. And I have just really appreciated a lot of the insights that you've brought to the table as it relates to change management, moving organizations through change, business transformation, and the importance of having metrics to help guide you along the way. I think all too often organizations tend to move into these change programs without a lot of thought around what does good really look like and how do we measure that we're making progress towards that. So I'm curious to know, just maybe starting off here, maybe you could share an observation with our audience on an experience that you've been involved in related to a business transformation, whether you were leading it, you were part of it, et cetera, where maybe the experience wasn't so positive. And why was it not so positive? There's at least one or two clients that I can think of where they were going through a massive uh, transformation that impacted multiple systems, uh, multiple departments. We're talking thousands of people. And you know, consultants were involved, obviously, from the very beginning to help drive the change. But at the same time, you know, nobody really anticipated the resistance or, you know, the pushback from some of the employees. So I would say the lesson learned in, I would, in a very large transformation was to really baseline by conducting a pulse survey or just understanding the voice of the, the customer, which in this case is the talent. Once we realized that we needed to baseline and understand, you know, what the voice of the customer looks like, even before we start the change, that turned out to be profound. So a few weeks or a few months into it, you know, we conducted a survey to really understand how the employees were feeling. And based on that, we rolled it out across multiple departments. We assigned champions and, you know, different, you could say, change agents to really drive the change and measure uh, what that post looks like over time. Because this was going, going to be about at least, you know, 12 months long. So over time, you know, examples like that uh, really sort of set the case for baselining up front and really measuring the change uh, either every few months or you know quarterly just to understand what the voice of that talent looks like and ultimately uh, you know that does have a direct impact on the business results or even the pace of the change that's going on so i think baselining benchmarks and you know sort of coming up with the KPIs up front knowing what uh, what kind of risk and pushback areas we anticipate can really help Thank you. That's great. Um, and great uh, segue into my, my next question, which is around specifically the metrics and the importance of metrics. So maybe you would care to share some of your experience more specifically using formal metrics in change programs or business initiatives um, and why. To be honest, I don't know if I have a set list of all the core metrics you know, that are required for change because each department, each company, Everyone is different, but I would say for companies that are, you know, heavily uh, working towards, uh, let's say, if there's a technology team, there's, you know, software developers. If they're agile, then obviously there are a number of different metrics that we can leverage, um, where we can compare before and after. So, for example, before the change happens, right, understand your your velocity. So, if your team is able to take on, I don't know, like a hundred story points for working on a specific feature of a product or parts of different products, just understand what that typical baseline looks like for your team. And all of a sudden, because of the change, now if, you know, if you're averaging 120 points, 150 points a sprint, 
you know there's a problem because now all of a sudden before you know it your team is burnt out but no one's really speaking up everyone's trying to take on more and more work and those are some of the examples i've seen at least in an agile organization where just understanding your speed your velocity for the team can really help besides uh, besides this area of agile uh, i would say other change metrics that really work are again you know just to measure your your talent survey and I think this is where a lot of the dashboards and some of the visuals are really impactful for, you know, folks in the people and change organization or anyone in the HR, because this is when you can really drill down maybe at the theme of the question. So for example, if you have a survey for your employees, you know, if they're responding to questions regarding, let's say, onboarding experience or, you know, questions around their experience with the new system. Or even if it's a number of different bugs or tickets that are open, and because of that, how much more time are they spending? Right. So there are a number of different themes you can come up with, and you can design a really powerful survey. But I think the magic is really in the the ability to measure uh, what that looks like. So you can think of like maybe Likert scale uh, responses or uh, any other survey responses that can really tell the story by the department, by the chain sponsor, and by the different uh, teams that are impacted by the change. So I think there are a lot of different visuals, a lot of different metrics that can help measure how the change is going and and respond to it before it's too late. So do you think that you can measure the quote-unquote readiness of an organization about to absorb a new change? Or that's That's a good question because, I don't know, right now, you know, with the hybrid model and there's so much unknown that's going on, like nobody knows what the perfect formula or what the perfect balance is, you know, is it working two days on site or do we need the entire team on site? I have seen a lot of my clients, you know, sort of just give the autonomy to the team, right? Let them decide if they need to come into the office, they can come in. But I would say the readiness really depends on how the team feels because of the pandemic. Everyone's, you know, requirements have changed. Everyone's needs have changed. You know, life happened, right? People got married, people had babies. So I think now when you sort of bring up the topic of change readiness, it really depends on the way the company's culture is and how they sort of think about each department and their employees. And really, if if they allow their employees to make that decision to come in, because that is where the talent is really competing for. And, you know, if they can make the decision to stay and work from home and still be productive, they could be change ready as long as the work is getting done as long as everyone is still maintaining their work-life balance. So I think the there is no magic formula, but you know companies really need to think outside the box and think about what their change readiness plan looks like. One of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, and I think it's interesting to call this out to our listeners, is that having some kind of metrics or some way to track what an organization is, quote unquote, feeling, what they're dealing with is really important for informing on the fly decisions, especially in the face of changing winds. And I remember even us talking about these dashboards or some kind of metrics that clients can create that are basically call to action dashboards. It's an output that gives information to leaders about how to respond. And that doesn't have to be as robust as a dashboard, but those dashboards, for example, 
should really tie back to what is the ultimate goal and objective of the transformation of the change that you're going through, or what is the ultimate outcome that you want to embody in this case, if you're just going after um, autonomy and being able to create a change resilient organization, then what's the goal? And then what are the questions that you need to ask? Or what are the things that you need to create as a readiness metrics to help you have an insider view of what's going on in the organization? And how is the organization preparing and adapting to the various changes or the specific initiative that you're working on? Thank you for sharing some of your thoughts around that. My other question that comes to mind is, as I think about you know that conversation, some of that conversation that we've had in the past on things to include in when thinking about building a readiness assessment for change programs. Do you have a point of view on what you think should be included as some of the metrics associated with the change program? It really depends on how the company looks at change and the way they they go about managing the change, right? So for example, I would say initially you, you can measure how big is the change, right? If you can sort of quantify, is it, you know, low, medium, or high based on the number of employees that are impacted or, you know, the number of systems, you know, use that number and really track that over time because you may think it's only a handful of employees or just, uh, you know, just one system change, but, but what is the ultimate downstream impact? So I think it's a constant assessment, you know, you can assess it once, but you kind of have to revisit after three months and see that something else changed that does impact the original KPIs. But I think for, you know, a lot of these dashboards where companies come up with some KPIs up front, but nobody tends to look at it over time, right? It's all dashboards are only useful if you can actually measure how they trend it over time. The ability to have that consistent dashboard and and having, you know, your change agents actually log into the system view the dashboards either on a weekly or bi-weekly basis or even on a monthly meeting. If you can use the dashboard to have a successful discussion about your change metrics, you will eventually succeed towards what the future looks like. Because if nobody really looks at it, then everyone's kind of just running in their in their own silos. And before you know it, things have changed, but there hasn't been any room or any time to tweak any of the things that are not working. And also, you know, when you think about once the system or when the change goes live, is there any time period for, you know, really taking care of the the new change, right? So this is when you actually have to reinforce the change. Looking at the metrics, if you're sort of identifying, you know, there's a problem in a specific department or, or a team member, can you sort of drill down to that level from top down and to the to the most granular level of your organization to pinpoint where the, the problems are happening? And can you provide that hypercare level of support, right? Because that's when they ultimately need it. You don't want to wait until you get the next survey and, you know, still have your scores be ranked below the average that you had last time. So I think it's the ability to use the dashboards, react to it, make decisions quickly, and really, you know, work towards uh, the change in a more effective way. That's great. I agree with you. And I think a lot of times companies are not necessarily thinking about how useful it is to put some kind of metric in place or, or define what metrics make sense to, to have in place to prepare an organization for change. And things as simple as having metrics that include the types of communications or frequency of communications that have gone out about a change that's coming or that um, a certain, you mentioned, depending on the size of the impacted 
community, does that community need some kind of training? And you can track that there's the training progress around that. Um, perhaps the change is going to introduce a new business process. And there are steps to make sure that that business process is, has been thought through and has been resourced appropriately. So all of those pieces seem like hmm, maybe not such a big deal. But when you start to capture all of those Im- important indicators of progress, and you put it in one place and you track over time, how are you making progress? It is a really important indicator of whether you're ready to move to a new business process or if you're embracing the new cultural behaviors that you're hoping to see or whether you're ready to take on this new system that you're implementing. So couldn't agree more, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Actually, uh, you just mentioned something that that made me remember this one client deal where, again, it was a massive change, but I would say one of the best cases of change management was when the change sponsor was involved from the very beginning. And the communication plan was crisp. It was to the point. And it really, like, it had no fluff, right? It, it was real. I would say it embraced the, the challenge that was coming, but the leadership was on board from day one. And this is probably one of the only cases where I've seen the consistent level of uh, support from leadership where the cadence of all the communication plans, it was obviously planned out at the right level, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, but they really made the effort to make sure that they were involved uh, from the beginning and, you know, they listened, they would actually dial into some of the other uh, individual, you know, department level or team level meetings just to check in how, you know, how the teams were doing and using data and analytics, they were also able to make changes, uh, listen to the feedback as the change was going on and react to it, right? And make updates. So I think a combination of having a really good communication plan with the right cadence and the right level of the sponsorship from from the beginning, I would say makes or breaks the the change. 100%, maybe 1000%. If you don't have the support at the top for the change initiative, it's not going to go very far. And having the metrics in place to inform leadership about where there could be some problem areas or where there might be opportunities to mitigate risk uh, is so huge. And I, I think that one of the observations I have had in my experience over working thousands and thousands, it seems, of change transformation programs or business transformation programs is that these metrics are not considered and are often an afterthought later. And I think one of the things that you highlighted is starting to think about that early on, early up front, um, especially at the early days as, as you're forming an idea around what is the outcome that you're trying to achieve, because you can actually take steps to minimize risks and real risks. I mean, we had a scenario on one of my clients where we identified a situation that because they had a readiness metrics dashboard in place that tracked things like how well the organization understood the change that was coming, how well resourced the various departments were, how effective communications had been, how frequent leaders had been informed and kept engaged and up to date on the progress. We were able to snag a potential impact that would have resulted in some lost revenue right out of the gate when they pivoted to their new business model. So Q1 earnings might have looked very different um, had that dashboard not been in place to to track that and to capture that. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's definitely necessary. And I think now more and more teams, you know, more companies are becoming more, I would say, data driven. But at the same time, you know, change happens when you think about who actually conducts the change management, right? It's usually sponsored by like the people in change or the HR part of the department, or, you know, there's some advisor to the actual department, could be finance, could be marketing, could be whatever. But when you actually think about ways to conduct it from the beginning, execute it flawlessly. Um, I keep going back to, you know, just have a simple survey so you can measure what that voice or, you know, the pulse of your your organization looks like. And something I've, you know, been able to deploy from other change management trainings, right? There's something called the ADCAR model. So if you're implementing a new change, right, just understand, is there a baseline level of awareness of what the change is? Do your employees have the desire to change or, you know, learn the actual, could be a new system, could be a new process, could be anything. If it's not awareness or desire, do they have the knowledge? Uh, do they have the, the skills or the adaptability to change? And if everything is going well, you as a leader, are you able to reinforce that change at the very end? And all of these things could be measured with a dashboard, with a simple survey, because if you don't measure any of that, then you know, if there's no data, then it's just everyone's opinions and that can go sideways, right? If if there's a influencing authority, right? If they don't like it, but if they're just able to influence the rest of the organization, then it, the change may not actually happen within spe- uh, specific clusters of, of the company. That's a great point. And I know we've been throwing around the word dashboard, but that can be intimidating for a lot of companies. So I love that you just stated up front, hey, look, even if you have some kind of simple survey where you're capturing something, some information that gives you insights into what is going on in the organization and how are they feeling about this change is is going to help you. Exactly right. Because if you don't have it, then, uh, then it's just someone's opinion. And a lot of times, you know, the I would say the leadership level or whoever has that authority can really influence it. And it could go one way or it could just go sideways just based on, you know, what that one person's voice mattered instead of, you know, a thousand people voicing their opinion anonymously. Great point. So, Jigger, I'm thinking about some work that we've done together, especially around culture transformation and things like that in our past. And you had given me some advice actually early on as I was trying to build some dashboards for some clients. And you had wisely counseled me on really thinking about the questions that you need to ask to be able to get the insights that you're trying to derive. Maybe I'm saying that a little bit too incorrectly. I don't know. But I thought, you know, it really stuck with me. So for for our listeners that might be new to analytics and and thinking about applying analytics specifically for the health of their workforce going through a, a business transformation, what tips might you have or suggest as you've counseled me over the years in terms of thinking through the end state and what you're trying to ultimately achieve in terms of it? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> but let, but let, me, let me think about this, right? So I would say first, when you think about the end goal, it's really about understanding how the combination of, you know, that people, process, and technology is going to work ultimately to drive, you know, better business results. Because if one of those three is off, then the entire trifecta, the entire dynamic uh, gets thrown off. So once you sort of figure out the end, the end state of, you know, that combination, then really just work backwards to understand 
do you have any friction points and you know your your employees sort of user experience right their day-to-day life um and let's say if someone's job is reviewing something approving something and sending it off to some other team but if it requires them 18 steps just to do that one simple task there's something wrong with that right so maybe understand what the UX journey of your employee looks like in that department, understand what those friction points are, try to reduce them. But you can only reduce that if you can actually start collecting where those those barrier points are, where those friction points are. So it's understanding the end goal, understanding the the UX of your your talent really matters up front. And then once you have sort of the end-to-end uh, structure of everyone's journey, then you can just you know, again, design a simple survey where you can have questions, you can group them by different themes, because you can have a survey that's about 100 or 200 different questions, but that's a lot of questions, right? But if you can sort of bubble that, bubble them up to uh, maybe seven or 10 different topics or different themes, then you can really visualize, you know, what the average score for that grouping of the questions looks like within a certain department or within a certain product team or maybe the the field force the sales team whatever it is so i think it really requires you know working backwards figuring out your friction points designing a really good survey because if you don't ask the right questions then your survey could be meaningless as well and you know the data you collect could be meaningless it all depends on the design of the survey and then i would say once you start working towards the um, the beginning of that process where you want to roll out the survey for the first time Again, you know, be upfront with your employees. You know, tell them if there's a change coming, let them know. You as a leader, if you know something is not, you know, optimal or something is is not working properly, just be upfront and own up to it. I think a lot of employees would actually sort of appreciate that. And, you know, I think that's a way to really humanize that experience, right? You want to have that empathy. You want to be able to connect with your your talent, their day-to-day struggles. And if you actually understand what their friction looks like in their day-to-day job, and if you can reduce that, then you have a much happier employee that will give you honest feedback because they know you're listening to that feedback, you're improving to that, you know, towards that end goal. I love it. And I love that you brought up the fact that using analytics and metrics can inform you about how individuals in your organization are doing. So, you know, when you're especially when you're a company at scale. It's an opportunity for for you to hear the voice of your workforce and just as important to have that workforce feel like they've been heard. So great point. And it leads me to my next question. What observations can you share to encourage businesses not only to survive, but to thrive and change? It comes down to a lot of trial and error, right? You you do want to experiment different ways of how you're measuring or you know how the change is going if you're not experimenting and if you're just waiting for the entire you know 12 months to go by and and then assess hey did this go well that that could be trouble so i think just having the right cadence for measuring you know how you're surviving and thriving is good maybe one thing i forgot to mention is obviously celebrating success or you know recognizing you know your team members for for their efforts so a lot of companies do roll out you know different programs to acknowledge either to give thanks or to redeem points that you have. And that's been a great, I would say, uh, reward mechanism that does work even before and after the change uh, because 
employees notice that, right? They notice that the leadership is uh, sort of paying forward. And at the same time, it motivates them. If they're happy after three or six months, they want to thank their employees or, you know, their team members. So I don't know. There are a number of ways to to really think about this, but not sure if I have the bulletproof answer here, but I think it, it's a mix of celebrating success, being humble, and if it's not working, own up to it and really, you know, let the employees know that, hey, we listen to you. We're going to change it and change it right away. Like, don't wait for six months or for 12 months because then they're just going to lose, you know, their faith in, in leadership. That is great. And also reinforcement again for why you would even have metrics in place. Because one of the things that we know is that employees respond to progress and feel motivated by seeing some progress, even if it's small. And even if you are going through a really difficult transformation journey. And just read this fabulous book called The Heart of Business by the CEO that turned around Best Buy and talks about the importance of progress and being able to track that and share that. And Teresa Amable, who wrote the book, The Progress Principle, talks about that, um, using small wins to ignite joy in an organization. So one more reason why if you aren't using some kind of tracking or metrics, um, even if it's super, super simple, uh, we highly encourage that you consider it as it relates to your business transformation, leading people through change, change management programs, whatever you want to call it. Getting from point A to point B, you've got to track your progress. Thank you so much, Jen. Uh, I definitely want to check out the book. Yeah, the thing is, I, I don't get to work on a lot of these projects, but when I when I can, it's it's a it's a special combination of you know change with data anal- analytics and thinking about you know the user experience journey because no one really thinks about those three buckets. Everyone thinks about them in, in silos, and I think for a successful change to happen, it does require sort of the combination of all three uh, to work in in harmony. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun to talk to you. I always get new ideas every time I have a conversation with you. And then I want to have five more conversations about how to put those ideas into practice. So thank you very much for joining me today. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me and hope to uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining this episode of Survive and Thrive. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.